0: I was driving home from podcast movement 2021 in Nashville, Tennessee, when all of a sudden my GPS on my phone said, Hey, we found a better path that will save you 20 minutes. And I thought, you know, your podcast can be a lot like that because you, first of all, you have to be driving, which means you have to have a podcast. And then you're constantly surveying and listening for feedback and looking for opportunities, and then all of a sudden, boom, here is a way to be more effective. But again, first, got to be on the road. You're constantly watching and listening for feedback. One piece of feedback I can give right here is when you're on the road, if your guest of your podcast. Well, I don't know. Sounds like this. When you mix in the sound of tires doing 75 miles an hour in my Toyota Camry, your audience isn't going to be able to hear or understand them, which makes it really frustrating when you say things like, wow, that was a really good point. I found that very annoying as I was listening to podcasts on the way down and back some other things i'll share today some cool because of my podcast stories from podcast movement we get our first kind of from the road report from glenn the geek as he is actually on tour and we're going to look at a new report that answers the question what does it take to be a successful content business hit it ladies the school of podcasting with dave
1: jackson
0: Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is why I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And the first thing I want to start off with is now I realize as I record this right now in August of 2021, the world doesn't know what's going to happen next because of our lovely friend, uh, you know, the coronavirus and we got Delta, we got Lambda, we got it's 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 like a, a whole fraternity here. And let's pretend for a second that you're listening to this in 2023 and everything is fine. So let's pretend we can just go everywhere and be everywhere, and we don't have to worry about masks, okay? We good with that? You should go to an event about your industry, especially if you've been podcasting for a while, because there's a chance you may run into people who listen to your show. Now, I have a problem here. I really do because I'm going to talk about some of these, and in doing so, I'm going to sound like a giant douchebag. I'm going to sound like a, a, a narcissist here, but I can only talk about things from my perspective. My point being, I still remember podcasting when I started in 2005 next to the water heater, flush pipe behind me in my brother's basement in a room with a furnace, praying that nobody would do laundry. I remember that. And you always kind of wonder, is anyone listening to me? And it's kind of cool when you get proof that, yes, somebody is. And before I get to those obnoxious stories, (laughs) let me explain something to you. I went to a second event called Rockin' Pod, which was a bunch – it basically was a bunch of music podcasters in a hotel. Uh, It was a three-day event, and I was in Nashville. And for the record, I was like – Uh, I don't know if I want to go. I'm really tired. I just want to go home. And I'm so glad that I didn't. I'll talk about that in just a second. And I can only say, I believe it was Dan. Dan from Podcast Magazine explained to me that some of the things that Audio Burst can do. And to be honest with you, I just have in my notes, go back and check out Audio Burst. That was it. So I say that because Dan from Podcast Magazine, don't know his name and I couldn't read his tag, influenced me to write down a note that is going to lead me to take action and check out Audio Burst. I have no idea what it is, by the way. I just know it's this thing that makes snippets that's going to somehow feed cars enough to where I was like, huh, got to check that out. I say that because Dan is an influencer. That's right. If you have one person listening to you, you can be an influencer. Now, there are some people that overuse that word at times. I know some people kind of throw up in their mouth just a little bit when they hear that phrase. But I'm just saying, I know you're like, oh, nobody would ever listen to me. You just need one listener to be an influencer. So it was kind of cool because I was uh, out walking around. It was interesting when I walked around because – we got a fair amount of traffic at the Libsyn booth. Podcast Movement had, I believe. Now, granted, there were you know at least a thousand people there, if not more. Uh, maybe closer to two. It's a very, 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 and by that I mean very big hotel. I would guess it has its own zip to, zip code. I mean, it's 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 like no hotel I've ever seen. So even if you had two thousand people in here, they're going to look tiny. And so we had. A, a slower than normal stream of people at the Libsyn booth. And I actually talked to my other friends at like Simplecast and A Weber and Blueberry. And they all kind of said, yeah, not as much traffic as usual. And I think that was because the pandemic had people a little frightened to come out. So I was out walking around and it was so cool because I had somebody stop me. And in this case, it was Scott Farah who teaches at William Jessup University and said, hey, Dave, I listened to the show and and said very nice things about it and said, I would like, is there a way we can have you come in and do like a guest lecture for my students? And I was like talking about podcasting. You don't have to twist my arm very hard to get me to talk about podcasting. And I thought that was phenomenal. I had uh, many people stop by. It was great. And I thought nobody could top this one. I'm out to dinner Friday night with some friends of mine, Ralph and Carolyn. And all I had on was a Libsyn shirt. I did not have my name tag. I didn't have anything else that identified me. And this person, well, in this case, it was Peter uh, Feroli, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I probably just butchered that. From the Music Podcast Network, said, you're, you're Dave. And I went, yeah, yeah, I am. He's like, oh, dude, I listened to your show, and I started my own network that has over 80 music podcasts on it. And again, I'm thinking, wait, what? Okay, super nice guy. Uh, you can find him at pantheonpodcast.com. He's got a whole network. And which, of course, who doesn't want to be recognized? Right. I'm a, I'm surprised my head got out the door when I went to leave. And just about the time you think it can't get any better. And this is where I'm in Nashville. I just survived podcast movement where I stood all day and talked all day, had a great time. And there's a part of me that says, I just want to go home. And David Hooper. My buddy from Big Podcast, he's in Nashville, and he kept saying, hey, you're going to this rockin' pod thing, which is a bunch of – it basically looked like a KISS convention, kind of like everybody from 1983 got together who loved that kind of music and created a podcast event, which is basically what it was, and much smaller than podcast movement, but very niche, as well as, uh, like, dude, you, you, these are your peeps. And for the record, they kind of are, because that's – for me, I loved – the music of, especially the hard rock music. I mean, that's what I was playing back in the 80s. I'm a musician. And I sat there, and I was like, I just want to go home. And I wasn't going to go. And then I thought to myself, what would Danny Pena do from Gamer Tag Radio? Danny had, I talked to him at Podcast Movement, and Danny is always going the extra mile for his audience. And I was like, this could be my audience. How often am I in Nashville? Suck it up, buttercup, and let's go. Another, you know, 10 minutes south to this new event. And then I'll drive home on Sunday. And as I record this right now, it's 20 till 9 on Sunday. So I made it home. So I go to this and Pod thing, hang out with Dave, get to hang out with Larry Roberts. Larry Roberts is an up-and-coming podcast consultant. Really nice guy. Gave him a ride to the airport. Super fun time. And I I saw that Ricky Rackman was there. In fact, David Hooper interviewed uh, Mark Goodman, Ricky Rackman, who did the Headbangers Ball, and Matt Penfield. So they were kind of talking it was the 40th anniversary of MTV and David Hooper being the guy from music business radio was the kind of moderator of this panel. And Ricky really, in my opinion, stole the show. Ricky is also has two podcasts on Libsyn. So I look up his show and I see he hasn't done too many episodes recently. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he's a busy guy. So I go back to Ricky's booth, and he's got this cool Headbangers Ball T-shirt and a couple other things. And I shake my shake his hand. And I go, "Hey, Ricky, uh, I can I get that T-shirt?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, fine." And I'm like, "Oh, also, I work for Libsyn. Is there anything I can do to help with your podcast? I see you haven't put on any episodes recently. Is there anything wrong?" And he looked at me and basically said, "My podcast is a bit of a mess at the moment." And he goes, I'm even listening to that guy. Now, that guy, in this case, he points at my T-shirt. And if you ever wonder, is it kind of a not so cool thing to do to wear your own T-shirt? Because I was kind of worried about that myself. I had a school of podcasting T-shirt on. And I was like, is this kind of like a look at the dweeb with his own T-shirt kind of thing on? But I wanted people to know about I'm walking around people. I'm like, how else are they going to know about the school of podcasting unless I use my chest as a billboard? And so Ricky looks up and goes, I'm even listening to that guy, meaning that guy from the school of podcasting, to which I said, Ricky, I am that guy. I said, I'm Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting. And to make a long story short, I'm going to be working with Ricky Rackman on his podcast to kind of help them again, plan, launch and grow. And had I not gone to Nashville, that wouldn't have happened. But the cool thing was when Ricky said, I listened to that guy. And I said, Hey, I am that guy. He grabbed his phone, pulled up Apple podcasts. And there was my podcast. He listens to me. And so I say that to say, if you're sitting there going, I don't know if anybody's listening to me. There are times when I feel that way. You put out an episode and you, you get kind of crickets, you know, not a lot of feedback, things like that. By going to where your audience is, and that is how you grow your audience, by the way, you go out there, you make friends. I met a few new people. I actually got myself out of my comfort zone because I do have a tendency to go and hang with the same people I've known all along. But in this case, many of my friends who have small children decided not to come because of the risk of COVID, and they didn't want to potentially bring it home to children who aren't old enough to be vaccinated yet. And I totally get that. So I had to make new friends. And so it was just I just say go to where your audience is because there's two things that are going to happen. Number one, you're going to find out what people want to hear. You're going to find out what their pain points are. You're going to find out what they're interested in. That's going to make your show better or and take your pick. You're going to run into people who actually listen to your show And I asked them, I was like, hey, I always ask them, why do you like the show? And they usually say something like, well, it's always educational and you're kind of funny and you're goofy and things like that. And I always ask them, okay, is there something you want me to change about the show? Is there something I'm doing that's annoying in your show? And then I shut up. And in this case, I had one person say, I can't think of anything. I said, if you think of something, please let me know because my goal is to make the best show for you. So if you are... Again, let's pretend there's no pandemic going on. If you're thinking, if you have the opportunity, let's go that route. If you have the opportunity to go to a trade show about your niche, now my case, I'm lucky. My niche is a podcast event. So I get to do two things. I get to learn how to make a podcast better. I get to network with people in my industry and I get to meet my listeners. That's probably not gonna be the case for you. Let's say I'm Shane Whaley from Tourpreneur. He might go to a travel uh, convention, and he will definitely meet his audience there. He will definitely meet, you know, people in his industry. He's not going to learn how to podcast there, though, better. But he will. Here's the thing. When you learn what your audience wants, that's how you make your podcast better. So those are a couple because of my podcast stories that happened for me at Podcast Movement 2021. We are talking about connecting with your audience. Well, one easy way to do that, of course, is to have a website. One of the things, David Hooper did a session where he interviewed some press release agent kind of people. And they said, and they go out and they find podcasts. And I said, hey, I got to ask you, are you searching in an app like Apple Podcasts or over? And they said, no, we we use Google. So if you ever wonder, do I need a website? Yes, you do. And you got to try PodPage. And if you want to connect with your audience, they have built-in tools. Again, you've got a contact form. You've got a great email capture. So if you want to start an email list, it's built in. If you're using SpeakPipe for your podcast, guess what? You can cancel that because PodPage has voicemail built in. Want to have people comment on your show? Yeah, it's built in. I've been saying it for a couple months now. I'm here to tell you, you have to try PodPage. Why? Why? because you can build a great-looking website in 5 to 10 minutes. And I'm not making that up. You simply go over. You can put, if you know your RSS feed, you can copy and paste it, or you can just type in your name. If you're in Apple Podcasts, it will find you, and then it will spit out a website. You can try it for free for a week to make sure it's a great fit. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash page. All right. We've got a tales from the road from my buddy Glenn the geek coming up. Stick around for that. Right now, I want to talk about this report that came out from the tilt.com. This is Joe Palizzi. Uh, this is a guy that wrote the book content incorporated, used to be the guy behind the content marketing institute and they interviewed 1400 content entrepreneurs and asked, what does it take to build? A successful content business. Now, if you're like, ah, they're going to talk monetization. Yeah, we are a little bit, but really, successful content is doesn't have to be around monetization. If you think about it, right? If your goal is to get the word out about your whatever your cause is, you are still wanting to build successful content. So here are some things as they interviewed 1,400 people. They call them content entrepreneurs. And successful ones have a singular focus. So the whole like, hey, I'm going to be everything to everyone. Nope. A singular focus, growing their audience by filling a very specific informational need. And by doing this well, notice that word, by doing this well. Tom Webster, I love Tom Webster was one of the opening keynotes, and he talked about mastering your craft, meaning mastering. Look, I've been doing this 16 years. I'm still trying to be better than I was in my last episode. So by doing this well, they can make money from that audience. Realize step one of making money with your podcast is build an audience. So that is number one, singular focus, and that's why so many people are like, I'm starting my fourth podcast, and I'm like, said the guy with about five. I'm here to tell you, uh, not a great idea. And the reason for that, and I realize you're like, ooh, I could start a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth, because the more you start, the easier it is to launch, but you still have to grow, and there's only 24 hours in a day. So they have a singular focus. They said in their sample, content entrepreneurs fully support themselves are most likely to be Gen X or boomers. Score one for the boomers. Uh, Of those entrepreneurs we surveyed, they split between full-time and part-time, was roughly 50-50. Younger entrepreneurs were more likely to treat content creation as a side gig, and not surprisingly, full-time content entrepreneurs are significantly more likely to be financially successful. Duh, people that spend more time at this are going to be more financially successful. They said just one in four of those surveyed said they oversee a business that supports at least one person. And now I realize I'm gonna spit out a ton of stats. These are all gonna be available at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 787. And I'll have a link to the full report out there at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 787. They said when looking at people who do this full-time 19% had not made any money. Say that one again. People doing it full-time, 1,400 people, 19% of those people had not made any money. We'll talk about how fast it takes, but 38% of them who will do this full-time earn some money but not enough to support one person. Again, 23%, roughly one in five right, or one in four, can support one person, and 18% can support multiple people. This next stat is going to make some people wet their pants. For those of you that are looking to do this free, the median, meaning 50% do less than this and 50% do more. How much do full-time content entrepreneurs invest in their business? $10,000. They don't say if that's a year or what, but that's how much they've invested, I guess, so far. And most, 75% of them, are funding their content through personal savings. They aren't looking for some sort of venture capital. So this is where I'm like, podcasting is great. You can start a podcast for about the price of an Xbox, about 300 bucks. And then as you grow your audience, you can do things like get an email list. You can hire an editor. You can because really it's. You, you make the content, but you've got to leave time to promote it. If you're not promoting your podcast, and I don't mean telling the audience that already knows you, hey, episode 16 is out. I'm talking about doing going a little deeper, going outside of that. That is where you can invest money in that. But you don't have to have everything to start. You can get the ball rolling, and then as money starts to come in, you can add more. And that's what we're going to talk about next. To monetize content, there is no single revenue tactic used by the majority of content entrepreneurs. This is what I found when I did all the research for my book, Profit From Your Podcast. You can find that at ProfitFromYourPodcast.com or just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 787. The methods were simply, as you might imagine, there's advertising, there's sponsorship, there's membership fees, there's online courses, there are events and speaking fees. So which did the most? What brought in the most money? So many people jump on sponsorship and that is not it. What brought in the most was online courses and workshops on your own platform. And right now I'm actually redoing the School of Podcasting and I'm still kind of torn between Podia and that is a really good, they just added a new feature that makes it really easy to integrate coaching with your courses. It's a little bit like Kajabi Lite and we'll talk about Kajabi a little later. As it has an email list, it's, it lets you sell courses, it lets you make a membership site and then there is Teachable which is what I've been playing with a little bit. Currently, I use Thinkific, but I'll have links to all that stuff if you're thinking of making an online course. I actually have somebody coming on the show in the future that's going to talk about that, which is kind of interesting because my background's in teaching. I could talk about that, but I'm bringing somebody on just to have that conversation. Second is advertising and sponsored content, then affiliate marketing. For me, in my book, I had those swapped. More people were making money with affiliate marketing than advertising, but nonetheless, and there's things like speaker fees and membership fees and books and things like that. So that's what's making the most money. How much time does it take to make money? Because doggone it, I'm on episode seven. Again, I'm assuming they're talking here about people that are doing this full-time in the graph. It doesn't really dictate that. You start off, you're going to earn your first dollar, Nine days? Nope. Nine weeks? Nope. Nine months later, you will earn your first dollar. And you, according to their little graph, you might hire some help after 18 months, and you'll be able to support one person after 26 months, according to their study, which is kind of close. I usually say it takes three years to make money that you go, yeah, I'm thinking about quitting my day job. Or at least enough to where you go, now that's more than a pizza. Like we're talking multiple car payments, maybe even a house payment. I might actually feed my children kind of money. But it takes, again, what do we start off with? Doing something very well that fits your niche audience. Well, all right, Dave, how else are they growing their audience? The number one way, search engine optimization. Yeah, good old Google. Like I said, when I asked the uh, publicity person, when she looks for podcasts, where did she go? Good old Google. Second and by, and I was like, really? Hashtags. And then partnering with creators. That's the old uh, cross promotion tool. They also had social media advertising, uh, speaking events. And again, they had a bunch more audience surveys as a way to grow your audience. Because again, the better content you make, the more people are going to tell their friends. And the report kind of mentions that really, even though we are content creators, that really content creators only spend 30 to 40 percent of their time actually creating the content. The rest of the time they're out promoting it and they're out running their business. They're doing all that social media stuff. They're providing customer service. They're managing people and they're overseeing monetization efforts. This goes back to the whole, hey, if you want your podcast to be a business, you have to run it like a business. One person that took the survey said, content creation is only half of the job. If you intend to create an income, at least half of your time, if not more, must be spent on figuring out how to monetize your content. It's the most difficult part of the job. And there is one line in the report that had me kind of worried because it said that successful content entrepreneurs are focused on the business, not on the creation part. And I always get worried because I see people who haven't even launched yet trying to figure out how many different layers of Patreon they want to do. And I'm like, hey, remember, step one is, again, grow your audience. Another interesting stat, those who work in their content venture full-time are seven times more likely to financially support a single person or more compared to those who treat their business as a side gig. So when you're looking at somebody, and again, I always say when you compare yourself to others, you're just setting yourself up to just have a really bad day. Realize that you might be comparing yourself to somebody who's doing this full-time and you're doing this part-time in between taking the kids to soccer and your two jobs. Some other lines that jumped out at me, they said, people think we spend all our time creating content. We have to market, sell, create emails, manage emails, manage social, uh, media comments and messages, manage our brand relationships. They said, we wear so many hats, people don't realize what a strain it can be. It causes us to keep ourselves, you know, we lose sleep at night, basically. We think about it nonstop. That's the downside. Your business lives with you in your mind and your heart. When I was married, this was something my ex-wife would tell me. She goes, you are always thinking about podcasting. Like it's, I, I had a hard time turning it off, and one of the ways I did that is I actually, even though it cost me money, I rented a uh, office. So when I was at the office, I was at the office, and when I was home, I was home. That was an expense that I could have easily said, hey, because I, I, it wasn't cheap. The, the fun thing is when you rent an office, you go from getting your $100 uh, internet access to $200 because now you're a business. And you're like, oh, I'm not really a business. This is just like my extra bedroom away from home. And they go, no, you're in an office building. You've you got to pay double for your internet. So how much does the business bring in? Now, some of the content entrepreneurs were surveyed. Make substantial life-changing money from monetizing content. But for many, being a content entrepreneur affords them a modest, comfortable living for doing something they find satisfying. Median revenue for full-time content entrepreneurs with four to six years experience is $100,000. That's a nice chunk of change. And those with seven or more years experience reported grossing 125000 from their content businesses. Keep in mind, again, these are people with multiple streams of income. Uh, again, median is more accurate measurement than mean in this case due to extremely high compensated outliers. So that's why they're going with the median. So uh, full-time median was uh, all of them put together was 50000 uh, full-time content entrepreneurs for four more years experience was a 100,000 full-time content entrepreneurs with seven or more years is a 125,000 so let's start to wrap this up a little bit let's get away from all the numbers because i realize numbers and audio is is not pretty again you can go out to school of podcasting.com slash 787 i'll have a link to the full report you can check it out let's kind of boil this down So what does it take to succeed as a content entrepreneur? Well, they they work on it full-time. And I realize if you're like me, you can't do that full-time. Again, seven times more likely to be financially independent than those who treat it as a side gig. But in some cases, the side gig is the only option you have. But just again, that leads to number two. What does it take then to succeed as a content entrepreneur? They are patient on average. Content entrepreneurs require two years to earn enough to support one person. A reminder that a content business requires commitment and content entrepreneurs need savings, social support. That's a big one. Or in some cases, loans. I don't recommend that to sustain business pre-revenue, meaning before you make any money, you might have to use some of your own money to get this thing up and going. They focused on owned channels. Uh, more experienced content entrepreneurs are more likely to use channels they own without intermediaries. In other words, uh, they use blogging, they use newsletters. They are tremendous advantages to owned more controlled channels. So if you're looking for the magic bullet, if I can just use this one service, then I'm going to make eh, It's things you own, things that you are doing, your website, your email list, your content, your podcast, these entrepreneurs, they say, also own the analytics and insights they can extract from their audiences. So this, again, is going to come from whoever you've chosen as a media host, your Google Analytics account. Make sure you own your stuff. Uh, they're not beholden to the whims and rule changes of large social and tech platforms. They say, for example, algorithm changes or arbitrary blocking and withholding of data. So you are doing your own thing and you control that stuff. Now, I know here they mention algorithms and you're always going to offend somebody. But nonetheless, if you have an RSS feed like a podcast, then it's nobody can truly completely shut you down. It would be very, very hard in mentioning that successful people have a business mindset. They mentioned here That in the future, these successful people aren't relying on things like Facebook and LinkedIn and TikTok because, again, that is something between you and your audience. And those platforms can dictate whether or not you see them or not. So a new breed of content entrepreneur is basically disintermediating, that's a big word, the relationship with their audience. In other words, they're finding ways to reach them directly rather than relying on third-party channels and ad revenues. They're taking independence to the next level. One last quote I want to throw in here. Amanda McLaughlin, who's a creator in chief executive of the podcast collective Multitude, explains, audiences are powerful and creators don't need anyone's permission to build one of their own or to ask them for support. As media companies continue to consolidate our relationship with our audience and the autonomy of owning our work are more valuable than ever. People often refer to successful content entrepreneurs as creatives or creators and lump them in with the, quote, passion economy or, quote, creator economy. We believe content entrepreneurs are the most powerful engine fueling growth and change within the creator economy movement and they've only just begun and again I'll have links to everything at slash 787. Special thanks again to Shane Whaley from Torpreneur and Spyberry. He posted this in the School of Podcasting Facebook group, and I was like, wow, that is awesome. You just gave me this week's episode. And if you'd like to be part of that group, that is one of the greatest benefits of the School of Podcasting, besides the fact that I'm going to help you find the right equipment for you, I'm going to make sure you don't sound stupid. I'm going to help you with your website. I'm going to help you grow your audience. If you want to monetize it, I can help with that. And a lot of that is through live group coaching and our private Facebook group. And of course, the School of Podcasting tutorials. If you want to check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. When you try something new, you're going to end up with either a new skill, a new story, or a new lesson. Hopefully, you'll get all three. Glenn the Geek Hebert from the Horse Radio Network, well, he packed up his show and hit the road to hang out with his
1: listeners. Take it away, Glenn! (laughs) Hey Dave and School of Podcasting fans, Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network. I'm coming to you from our Horse Radio Network RV, now at a beautiful farm in Lexington, Kentucky. We are one week into our five-week listener tour of the East Coast, and we just finished our third listener meetup last night, which was a blast. My wife and I are traveling for five weeks, 14 states, 12 meetups, one wedding, and 3,200 miles to meet our listeners. Yeah, I know you've heard many times on the show here where Dave says, go where your listeners are. Well, apparently we take that literally. We have a 20-foot foot travel trailer and are staying at a combination of listener farms and campgrounds. You know, seeing longtime listener faces when you pull into the driveway is so cool. Many just can't believe that the celebrities that they hear, you know, some of, in our case every day, are spending time to get to know them at their own homes. Uh, we do interviews with them for the shows, and listeners love hearing about other listeners that they can relate to. You know, over the years, we've had the biggest celebrities on our shows, and I get more excited interviewing our listeners. I will provide you with these weekly reports for the next couple of weeks while we're on the road and tell you what it's like to run a network on the road. And this week, I thought I would share with you the tech we are using to interview everyone in their homes. For remote interviews, we now use the Zoom P4 with four Samsung Q2U mics. You know, this little tiny battery-operated mixer recorder is the freaking bomb. I love this thing. No more carrying around large, heavy mixers. We used to carry a trunk full of equipment to do remote recordings, and now it's a tiny little bag. It's so cool. I connect to the P4 to my laptop, and what that means is I don't even need power to record the shows anymore because the P4 is battery-operated, and if the laptop is charged, you're good to go. I use the P4 recorder as my main recording, and the laptop does the backup on Hindenburg. It is simple, quick, and takes up very little room in our RV. Next week, I'll go over what we do to record our daily Horses in the Morning show with remote hosts and guests, and the bumpers played live into the recording. And we'll also go over some of the challenges we've been finding along the way in doing this. If you want to follow along and see the updates and pictures, go to Horses in the Morning Facebook page. Now, off to have dinner with our title sponsor. Dave, see you next week, and please remind everybody about the dinner we're having together.
0: That's right, Glenn. Friday, August 13th at 7 p.m., at Luigi's in downtown Akron, Ohio. If you want more information, go to neohiopodcasters.com. This is the Northeast Ohio Podcasters Meetup. Again, website neohiopodcasters.com. There is only one way to know if an idea is going to work, and that's to throw a saddle on it and take it for a ride. My thanks to my buddy, Glenn the Geek Hebert, for sharing his insight from the road Find Glenn over at horseradionetwork.com. The question of the month is, can you achieve podcasting success without being a celebrity? If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question, you'll see that'll take you right to my Telby page where you can click on the button and record an answer. Don't forget to mention your website, and do that slowly and clearly. Tell us a little bit about your show. And I need that by August 27th because it will be coming out on Monday the 30th. Again, can you achieve podcasting success without being a celebrity? If you say yes, great. Why do you think that? If you think no, I'd like to hear that too. Podcasting.com slash question by August 27th. A couple minor clarifications of things that I found out that people think, and I was like, yeah, that's not the case. So number one is people said, oh, I thought you were an ambassador for Libsyn, and I am, and the reason for that is, well, number one, and you can go back to the way early episodes of this show, and you'll hear me sing the praises of Libsyn, which is why I'm an employee when my last teaching gig fell through, I called Rob Walsh and said, hey, can I have a job? Basically in a nutshell to boil that down to a, a, yeah, you get the idea. And uh, I've been there five years. I've been a happy Libsyn customer. Well, I was a happy Libsyn customer for 10 years when I became a happy employee and I've been there for five years. So people didn't realize that, yes, I do have a day job, but my day job's in podcasting. How cool is that? And I love working at Libsyn because it's a great company and great people, but it also gives me a very wide view of the podcast industry, and I get to go to Podcast Movement for free. So that's the one thing. The other thing, this is a Libsyn thing, is people, I said, hey, have you tried Libsyn 5 yet? And they said, hey, I haven't upgraded yet. This is not a thing where, like, when you switch from one, you can't go back kind of thing. Think of Libsyn like your high school gymnasium. Can you got that picture in your mind? The high school gym. Remember how there were doors on the front and then there were also doors on the side? Libson is your high school gym. When you go through the front doors, it's Libsyn 4. When you go through the side doors, it's Libsyn 5. It's the same gym, just when you go through Libsyn 5, it's much prettier. So you can kind of use both. So if you're a Libsyn user, try Libsyn 5. You can go to it, 5.libsyn.com. And if you want to go back to the other one, and by the way, there's always a link to the other one, whichever one you're in. If you're in Libsyn 4, There's a link at the very top to go to Libsyn 5. If you're in Libsyn 5, there's a link in the bottom right-hand corner to go to Libsyn 4. And if you're saying, Dave, you didn't even mention that Libsyn has partnered with Mark Cuban's Fireside chat app, that's because it's brand new. I haven't had a chance to really play with it yet, but that is the case. So if you have a Libsyn account and you've been approved for Fireside, you can tie the two together, do your Fireside, and send it out to your feed. I'll talk more about that later after I play with it. Coming up in future episodes, I got a new mic stand from Elgato that I'll be reviewing along with some, I've got a bunch of gear I need to review. I need to get back on that. Also have some great interviews coming on how to sell your course, if that's something you're looking to do. We're also going to be interviewing someone who moved a rather large group off of Facebook onto another platform. We're going to explain how she did that, and the lessons she's learned. And of course, we'll have the question of the month. Don't forget that. And anything else you would like to hear, I'm always open to suggestions. I know today we mentioned SEO, search engine optimization. I plan on doing an episode on that in the future. I'm also working on doing an episode on how to choose a media host. And that's going to be interesting because I work for Libsyn. So it has to be all factual, no opinion. If you found this episode... Helpful, if you found some sort of value in it, do me a favor, go to the phone that you're probably listening to this on and click on the share button and share it with someone who is maybe thinking about podcast monetization and are they doing any good or things like that. It's a great report. Again, you can find everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 786. Thanks to PodPage again. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash tripod page to try it out for free. Thanks to Steve Stewart from the Podcast Editor Academy. Thanks to Joe Salsihai from Stacking Benjamins. Thanks to Shane Whaley from com. Thanks to Ralph and Carolyn Rivera. All those people bought me food at Podcast Movement. And we wonder why Dave can't lose weight. Well, that's not really their fault. Go to com slash start. To start your podcast today, don't forget to use that coupon code. For the record, you only hear that here. That's not on the website. That's my way of saying thank you for listening. Again, school of slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. Thanks for joining me on my mission to rid the world of boring podcasts. And until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. coupon code listener when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly podcast oh geez I'm, am i that tired so if you want to hear what your audience has to say it's built in no reason to buy pod or uh, speak pipe. yeah that's a good typo i'm also going to be interviewing someone in the future who moved their community off of facebook we're going to explain or, or blah, caca. really ten thirty? i gotta get my act together Oh you